0: to the ninth episode of A Very hairy podcast. I'm your reader, Talon, and let's get started. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling, read to you by Talon. Chapter 9, The Midnight Duel. Harry had never believed he would meet a boy he hated more than Dudley, but that was before he met Draco Malfoy. Still first-year Gryffindors only had potions with the Slytherins. So they so they didn't have to put up with Malfoy much. Or at least they did At least they didn't until they spotted a notice pinned up in the Gryffindor common room that made them all groan. Flying lessons would be starting on Tuesday, and Gryffindor and Slytherin would be learning together. Typical said Harry darkly. Just what I wanted to make a fool of my... Just what I wanted. To make a fool of myself on a broomstick in front of Malfoy. He had been looking forward to learning to fly more than anything else. You don't know you're gonna make a fool of yourself, said Ron reasonably. Anyway, I know Malfoy's gonna... always going on about how he's good at... uh, I know Malfoy is always going on and on about how good he is at Quidditch, but I'll, but I bet that's all talk. Malfoy certainly did talk a lot, did talk about flying a lot. He complained loudly about first years never getting on the house Quidditch teams and told long boastful stories that always seemed to end with him narrowly escaping muggles and helicopters. He wasn't the only one. He wasn't the only one, though. The way Seamus Finnegan told it, he spent most of his childhood zooming around the countryside on his broomstick. Even Ron would tell anyone who'd listen about the time he'd almost hit a hang glider on Charlie's old broom. Everyone from wizarding families talked about Quidditch constantly. Ron had already had a big argument with Dean, Ta- Dean Thomas. Who shared their dormitory about soccer? Ron couldn't see what was exciting about what was exciting. Ron couldn't understand what was exciting about a game with only one ball, and where no one was allowed to fly. Harry had caught Ron prodding Dean, prodding Dean's poster of West Ham soccer team, trying to make the players move. Neville. Neville had never been on a broomstick in his life, because his grandmother had never let him near one. Privately, Harry felt she'd had a good reason, because Neville managed to have an extraordinarily extraordinary number of accidents, even with both feet on the ground. Hermione Granger was almost as nervous about flying as Neville was. This was something you couldn't learn by heart out of a book. Not that she hadn't tried. At breakfast on Thursday, she bored them all stupid with flying tips she'd gotten out of the library book. She bored them all stupid with flying tips she'd gotten out of a library library book called Quidditch Through the Ages. Neville was hanging on to her every word, desperate for anything that might help him hang on to his broomstick later. But everybody else was very pleased when Hermione's lecture was interrupted by the arrival of the mail. Harry hadn't had a single letter since Hagrid's note, something that Malfoy had been quick to notice, of, coor- of course. Malfoy's eagle owl was always bringing him packages of su- packages of sweets from home, which he opened gloatingly. Which well, he opened gloatingly at the Slytherin table. A barn owl brought Neville a small package from his grandmother. He opened it excitedly and showed and showed him all the glass ball. It's a remember all, he explained. Gran knows I forget things. Hold hold it tight. This this tells you if there's something you've forgotten to do. Look. Look, you hold it tight like this, and if it turns red oh his face fell, because the all had suddenly glowed scarlet. You've forgotten something. Neville was trying to remember what he'd forgotten when Draco Malfoy, who was passing the Gryffindor table, snatched the all out of his hand. Harry and Ron jumped to their feet. They were half hoping, hoping for a reason to fight Malfoy, but Professor McGonagall, who could spot trouble quicker than any teacher in the school, was there in a flash. What's going on? Malfoy's got my remember all, Professor. Scowling. Malfoy dropped quickly dropped the remember all back on the table. Just looking, he said. He sloped away with crabbing he slopped away sloped slop sloped. He, uh, he sloped away with crabbing Goyle behind him. At three thirty that afternoon, Harry, Ron, and the other Gryffindors Hurried down the front steps onto the grounds for their first flying lesson. It was a clear, breezy day, and the grass rippled under their feet as they marched down the sloping lawns toward a smooth, flat lawn on the opposite side of the grounds. To the on the opposite side of the grounds to the forbidden forest, whose trees were swaying darkly in the distance. The Slytherins were already there, and so were twenty broomsticks lying in neat lines on the ground. Ron had heard Fred and George Weasley complain about the school brooms, saying that some of them started to vibrate when you flew too high, or always flew slightly to the left. Their teacher, Madame Hooch, arrived. She was a short she had short grey hair and yellow eyes like a hawk. What are you waiting for? she barbed. Everyone stand by a broomstick. Come on, hurry up. Harry glanced down at his broom. It was old and some and some of the twigs stuck out at odd at odd angles. Stick a right hand over your broom, called Madame Hooch at the front, and say up Up everyone shouted. Harry's broom jumped into his hand at once. But it was one of the few that did. Hermione Granger had Hermione Granger's it simply rolled over on the ground and Neville's hadn't moved at all. Perhaps brooms like are like horses. They can tell when you're afraid, thought Harry. There was a quiver in Neville's voice that said too only cle- that said only too clearly that he wanted to keep his feet on the ground. Madam Hooch and then showed them how to mount their brooms without sliding off the end, and walked up and down the rows, correcting their grips. Harry and Ron were delighted to see when she told Malfoy he'd been doing it wrong for years. "'Now, when I blow my whistle, you'll kick off from the ground hard,' said Madame Hooch. "'Keep your brooms steady.' Rise a few feet and then come straight back down by leaning forward slightly on my whistle one wait three two but Neville nervous and jumpy and nervous and jumpy and frightened of being lifted of being left on the ground pushed off hard before the whistle before the whistle had touched Madame Hoop. lips. Come back, boy, she shouted, but Neville was was rising straight up like a cork shot out of the bottle. 12 feet? 20 feet? Harry saw his scared white face look down at the ground, falling away. Saw him gasp, slip, slip sideways off the broom, and wham! A thud and a nasty crack, and Neville lay face down on the grass in a heap. His broomstick was still rising higher and higher, and started to drift lazily towards the forbidden forest out of sight. Madame Hooch was bending over Neville, his face as white as her bending down over Neville, her face as white as his broken broken wrist. she heard her mutter, "Come on, boy, It's all right. Up you get." She turned to the rest of the class, none of you. It's to move while I take this boy to the hospital wing. You leave those rooms where they are, or or you'll be out of Hogwarts before you can say quidditch. Come on, dear. Neville, his face, tear-streaked, clutching his wrist, hobbled off with Madame Hooch, who had her arm around him. No sooner were they out of earshot than Malfoy burst into laughter. Did you Did you see his face? The great lump. The great lump. The other Slytherins joined in. Shut up, Malfoy, snapped Parvati, snapped Parvati Patil. Ooh, sticking up for long bottom. Ooh, sticking up for long bottom, said Pansy Parkinson and a heart a hard faced Slytherin girl. Never thought you'd like a fat little crying. Never thought you'd like fight fat little crying babies parvati. Look, said Malfoy, darting forward and snatching something out of the grass. It's that stupid thing lawn bottom's grand sent him. The remember all glinted in the sun as he held it up. Give it here, Malfoy, said Harry quietly. Everyone stopped talking to watch. Malfoy smiled nastily. I think I'll leave it somewhere for Longbottom to find. How about up a tree? Give it here! Yelled, Harry yelled, but Malfoy had leapt onto his broomstick and take it off, taken off. <sighs> he hadn't been lying; he could fly well, hovering level with the topmost branches of an oak called of an. Oak, he called. He called, "Come and get it, Potter!" He grabbed his broom. Harry grabbed his broom. No! Shouted Hermione Granger. Madame Hooch told us not to move. You'll get us all in trouble. Harry ignored her. Blood was pounding in his ears. He mounted his broom and kicked hard against the ground. And up, up, and up, up he soared. Air rushed through his hair, and his robes and his robes whipped behind him. And in a rush of fierce joy, he realized he found something he could do without being taught. This was easy. This was wonderful. He pulled his broomstick up a little to take it even higher. He heard screams and gasps of girls back on the ground and an admiring whoop from Ron. He turned his broom. He turned his broomstick sharply to face Malfoy in, in mid-air. Malfoy looked stunned. Give it here, Harry called, or I'll knock you off your broom. Oh yeah, said Malfoy, trying to sneer, but still looking worried. Harry knew, somehow, what to do. He leaned forward and grasped the broom tightly in both hands. It shot toward Malfoy like a javelin. Malfoy only just got out of the way in time. Harry made a sharp about-face and held the room steady. A few people below were were clapping. No crab and goil up here to save your neck, Malfoy, Harry called. The same thought seemed to have struck Malfoy. Catch it if you can, then, he shouted back, and he threw the glass ball high into the air, and it streaked back toward the ground. Harry saw, as, it, as though it had, as though in slow motion, the ball rise up in the air and then start to fall. He leaned forward and pointed his broom handle down. Next next second, he was gathering speed in a steep dive, racing, racing the ball. The wind whistled around his ears, mingled with the screams of people watching. He stretched out his hand, a foot from the ground, as he caught it, just in time to pull his broom straight pull his room straight, and he toppled gently onto the grass, with the remember all clutched safely in his fist fist. Harry Potter His heart sank faster than he had just dived. Professor McGonagall was now running toward them. She he got to his feet trembling. Never in my time at Hogwarts Professor McGonagall was almost speechless with shock. Her glasses flashed furiously. How dare you? How dare you might have broken you How dare you, you might have broken your neck. It wasn't it wasn't his fault, Professor. It wasn't his fault, Professor. Be quiet, Miss Patil. But Malfoy, that's in en- But Malfoy, that's enough, Mr. Weasley. Potter, follow me now Harry caught sight of Malfoy, Crabbe and Goyle's triumphant faces as he left, walking numbly in Professor McGonagall's wake as she strode towards the castle. He was going to be expelled. He just knew it. He wanted to say something to defend himself, but there seemed but there seemed to be something wrong with his voice. <laughs> Professor McGonagall was sweeping along without even looking at him. He had to jog to keep up. Now he'd done it. He hadn't even lasted two weeks. He'd be packing his bags in ten minutes. What would the Dursleys say when he turned up on their doorstep? Up the front steps, up the marble staircase inside, and still Professor McGonagall didn't say a word to him. She wrenched open the doors, he wrenched open doors and marched along corridors, with Harry trotting miserably behind her. Maybe she was taking him to Dumbledore, he thought. He thought of Hagrid. Expelled but allowed to stay on but allowed to stay on his gamekeeper. Perhaps he could be Hagrid's assistant. His stomach twisted his stomach twisted as he imagined it watching Ron and the others becoming wizards while he was stumped around the grounds carrying Hagrid's big bag. Professor McGonagall stopped outside the classroom. She opened the door and poked her head inside. "'Excuse me, Professor Flitwick, could I borrow Wood for a moment?' "'Wood?' thought Harry, bewildered. "'Was Wood a cane she was going to use on him?' "'But Wood turned out to be a person.' A burly fifth-year boy who came out of Flitwick's, Flitwick's class, looking confused. Follow me, you two, said for Professor McGonagall as they marched up the corridor. Wood, looking curiously at Harry. In here. Professor McGonagall pointed them into a classroom that was empty except for Peebs, Peeves, who <clears throat> was busy writing w- rude words on the blackboard. Out, Peeves, she barked. Peeves threw chalk into the bin threw the chalk into the bin, which clanged loudly, and swooped out, cursing. Professor McGonagall slammed the door behind them and tur- turned to face the two boys. Potter, this is Oliver Wood. Wood, I found you a seeker. Wood's expression changed from puzzlement to delight. Are you serious, Professor? Absolutely. Said so Professor McGonagall, crispy, crisply. <coughs> the boys are natural. I've, I haven't seen anything like it. Was that your first time on a broomstick, Potter? He nodded silently. He didn't have a clue what was going on. But he didn't seem to be expelled. And the same feeling started coming, in. and some feeling <coughs> started coming back to his legs. <coughs> he caught that, he caught that thing in his hand after a 50-foot dive. Professor McGonagall told, told wood. One minute, let me get some water real quick. <clears throat> okay, that's better. Hmm. He caught this, that thing in his hand after a 50-foot dive. Professor McGonagall told Wood. Didn't even scratch himself. Charlie Weasley couldn't have done it. Wood was now looking as though all his dreams has had come true at last. Ever seen a game of Quidditch Potter? He asked excitedly. Wood's captain of the Gryffindor team. Professor McGonagall explained. He's just the build for a seeker too said Wood now walking now walking around Harry staring at him light speedy we'll have him we'll have him get a decent broom professor Nimbus 2000 or Clean sweep, or Clean Sweep 7 I'd say I shall speak to professor Dumbledore and see if we can bend the first year rule Heavens knows we, we need a better team than last year, flattened in in that last match by Slytherin. I couldn't look at Severus Snape in the in the face for weeks. Professor McGonagall peered sternly over her glasses at Harry. I want to hear your training hard, Potter, or I may change my mind about punishing you. Then she suddenly smiled. Your father would have been proud she said. He was an excellent Quidditch player himself. You're joking. You're joking. It was dinner time. Harry had just finished telling Ron what had happened when he left the grounds with Professor McGonagall. Ron had a piece of steak and, and kidney pie halfway through his mouth, but he'd forgotten about it. Seeker, he said, but first year's never. You must be the youngest house player in about... A century, said Harry, shoveling pie into his mouth. He felt particularly hungry after the excitement of the afternoon, Wood told me. Ron was so amazed, so impressed, he just sat and gaped at Harry. I start training next week, said Harry. Only don't tell anyone. Wood wants to keep it a secret. Fred and George Weasley now came into the hall. Spotted Harry and hurried over. Well done, said George in a low voice. Wood just told us. We're on the team too. Beaters. I tell you, we're going to win that Quidditch Cup. We're going to win that Quidditch Cup for sure this year, said Fred. We haven't won since Charlie left. But this year's team is going to be brilliant. You must be good. You must be good, Harry. Wood's always... Wood was almost skipping when he told us. Anyway, we gotta go. Lee Jordan reckons he's found a new secret passageway out of school. But it's but. but it's that one behind the statue of Gregory the, s- smarty the. S- the smarmy, that we found, that we found in our first week. See ya. Friend George had hardly disappeared. When someone far less welcome turned up, Malfoy like flaked and crab and oil. Having your know, having your last meal, Potter. When are you gonna When are you gonna get the train back to the Muggles? You're a lot braver now than now that you're back on the ground and you've got little friends with you. Said Harry Cooley. But there was of course nothing little about Crab and Goyle. But as but as the high table was full of teachers, neither of them could do more than crack their knuckles and scowl. I'd take you any time on my own, said Malfoy. Tonight if you want. Wizard's duel, one's only no contact. What's the matter? Never heard of a wizard's duel before. I suppose. Of course he has," said Ron, wheeling around. "I'm a second to yours." Malfoy looked at Crab and Goyle, sized them up. Crab, he said, "Midnight, all right. We'll meet you in in the trophy room. That's always unlocked." When Malfoy had gone, Ron and Harry looked at each other. "'What's a wizard's duel?' said Harry. "'And what do you mean, you're my second?' "'Well, a second's there to take over if you die,' said Ron casually, "'getting started started on his last, on his last, at last on his cold pie.'" Catching the look on Harry's face, he added quickly, "'But people only die in proper duels, you know.'" With real wizards, the most you and Malfoy would be able to do is send sparks at each other. Neither of you knows enough magic to to do any real damage. I bet he'd expect. I bet he'd expect you to refuse anyway. But if I wave my wand, nothing happens. And what if my? And what if I wave my wand and nothing happens? Throw it away and punch him in the nose. Said Ron, Ron suggested. Excuse me. Excuse me. They both looked up. It was Hermione Granger. Can a person eat and eat in peace in this place? Hermione Hermione ignored him and spoke to Harry. I couldn't help overhearing what you and Malfoy were saying. I bet you could, Ron muttered. And you mustn't go wandering around wandering around the school at night. Think of the points you'll lose, Gryffindor, if you're caught. And you're bound to be. If you're caught, and you're bound to be, it's really selfish. It's it's really very selfish of you. And it's really none of your business, said Harry. Goodbye, said Ron. All this time, all the same, it wasn't what you call the perfect end to the day, Harry thought. As he lay awake much later, listening to Dean and Seamus falling asleep, Neville wasn't back from the hospital wing. Ron had spent all evening giving him advice such as, "'If he tries to curse you, you'd better dodge it, because I can't remember how to block them.'" There was a very good chance they were going to get caught by Filch from Mrs. Norris, and Harry felt he was pushing his luck, breaking another school rule today. On the other hand, Malfoy's sneering face kept lo- looming out of the darkness, this was his big chance to beat Malfoy face to face. He couldn't miss it. Half past eleven, Ron muttered at last. We'd better go. They pulled on their bathrobes, picked up their wands, and crept across the tower room, down the spiral staircase, and into the Gryffindor common room. A few embers were still glowing were still glowing in the fireplace, turning all the armchairs into hunched-back shadows that almost reached Reached the portrait hole when a voice spoke from the chair nearest them. I can't believe you're going to do this, Harry. A lamp flickered on. It was Hermione Granger, wearing a pink bathrobe wearing a pink bathrobe and frowned. You said Ron furiously, go back to bed. I almost told your brother, Hermione snapped. Percy, he's a prefect. He'd put a stop to this. Harry couldn't believe anyone could be so infuriating. Come on, he told Ron. He pushed open the portrait of the fat lady and climbed through the hole. Hermione wasn't going to give up that easily. She followed Ron through the portrait hole, hissing at them in, in an angry, like an angry goose. Don't you care about Gryffindor? Do you only care about yourselves? I don't want Slytherin to win the house cup. And you'll lose all the points I got from Professor McGonagall for knowing about switching spells. Go away. Oh, right, but I warned you. You just remember what I said. Just remember. You just remember what I said when you're on the train home tomorrow. So you're so... But what they were, they didn't find out. Hermione had turned to the portrait of the fat lady to get back inside, and found herself facing an empty painting. The fat lady had gone on had gone on a night nighttime visit, and Hermione was locked out of the Gryffindor Tower. Now what am what am I going to do? she asked shrilly. That's your problem, said Ron. We gotta go, we're going to be late. They hadn't even reached the end of the corridor when Hermione caught up with them. I'm coming with you, she said. You are not. You think I'm just going to stand out here out here, and wait for Filch to catch me? If he finds all three of us, I'll tell him the truth. That I was trying to stop you, and you can back me up. You've got some nerve, said Ronald loudly. Shut up, both of you, Harry sh- said Harry sharply. I hear something. It was... It was, it was a sort of snuffling. Mrs. Norris breathed, Franz squinting through the dark. It wasn't Mrs. Norris. It was Neville. It was curled up on the floor, fast asleep, but jerked up suddenly awake when they crept nearer. Thank goodness you found me. I've been out here for hours. I couldn't remember the new password to get into bed. Keep your voice Tom Neville. The password's pig snout. But it won't help you now. The fat lady's gone off somewhere. How's your arm? said Harry. Fine, said Neville, showing them. Madame Pomfrey mended it in about a minute. Good. Well, Well, look, Neville, we've got to be somewhere. We'll see you later. Don't leave me, said Neville, scribble- scrambling to his feet. I don't want to stay here alone. The, bl- the Bloody Baron's been passed twice already. Ron looked at his watch, and then glared furiously at Hermione and Neville. If either, you, if, if either of you get us caught, I'll never rest until I've learned that curse of, bo- of the bogey squirrel told us about and, use, <coughs> and used it on you. <coughs> Hermione opened her mouth. Perhaps to tell Ron exactly how to use the curse of bogies. but Harry hissed at her to be quiet and beckoned and beckoned, ugh, and beckoned them all forward. They flitted around, They flitted along the corridors, stripped with bars of moonlight from the high windows. At every turn, Harry expected to run into Filch or Mrs. Norris, but they were lucky. They sped up the staircase to the third floor and tiptoed towards the trophy room. Malfoy and Crabbe weren't there yet, the crystal trophy cases glimmered where the moonlight caught them. Cups, shields, plates, and statues winked winked silver and gold in the darkness. They edged along the walls, keeping their eyes on the doors at either end of the room. Harry took out his wand in case Malfoy leapt in and started at once. The minutes crept by. He's late. Maybe he chickened out. Ron whispered. Then a noise in the next room made them jump. Harry had only just raised his wand when he heard someone speak, and it wasn't Malfoy. Sniff around, my sweet. They may be lurking in the corner. It was Filch speaking to Missus Norris. Horror struck. Harry waved madly at the other three to follow him quickly as possible. They scurried silently towards the door, away from Filch's voice. Neville's robes had barely whipped around the corner when they, heard Filch, when they heard Filch enter the trophy room. They're here somewhere. They heard it mutter, probably hiding. This way, Harry mouthed to the others. And petrified, they began to creep down a long gallery full of suits of armor. They could hear Filch getting nearer. Neville suddenly let out a frightened squeak and broke into a run. He tripped, grabbed Ron around the waist, and the pair of them toppled right into a suit of armor. The clanging and crashing was enough to wake the whole castle. RUN! Harry yelled, and the four of them sprinted down the gallery, not looking back to see whether Filch was following. They swung around the doorposts and galloped down the one corridor, and then another. Harry in the lead, without any idea where they were going, no idea they were or where, no idea where they were or where they were going. They ripped past a tapestry and found themselves in a hidden passageway, hurtled 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 along it, and came to their nearest came out near their charms classroom which they knew was miles from the trophy room. I think we've lost him, Harry panted, leaning against the cold wall and wiping his forehead. Neville was bent double, wheezing and spluttering. I told you, Hermione gasped, clutching a stitch in her chest. I told you. We've got to get back to Gryffindor Tower, said Ron, quickly as possible. M- Malfoy tricked, Malfoy tricked you. Hermione said to Harry, "You realize that, don't you? He was never going to meet you. Filch knew someone was going to be in the trophy room. Malfoy must have tipped him off." Harry thought she was probably right, but he wasn't going to let her. But he was. He wasn't going to tell her that. Let's go. Let's go. It wasn't going to be that simple. They hadn't gotten more than a dozen paces when a doorknob when a doorknob rattled and something came shooting out of the classroom. In front of them in front of them. It was Peeves. He caught sight of them and gave a squeal of delight. Shut up, Peeves. Please you'll get us thrown out. Peeves cackled. Running around at midnight equal equal first years. Tut tut, naughty, naughty, you'll get caughty. Not if you don't give us away, Peeves. Please. Should I tell Phil? Should tell Phil? I should. Said Peeves in a saint. In a saintly voice, his eyes glittered wickedly. It's for your own good, you know. Get out of the way! Snapped Ron, taking a swipe at Peeves. This was a big. A big mistake! Students out of bed! Peeves bellowed. Students out of bed! Down in the Trance corridor, ducking under Peeves, they ran for their lives, right to, right to the end of the corridor, where they slammed into the door and it was locked. This is it! Ron moaned, and they pushed help helplessly at the door. We're done for. This is the end. They could hear footsteps. Footsteps running as fast as he could towards Peeves' shouts. "'Oh, move over!' Hermione snarled. She grabbed Harry's wand, tapped the lock, and lock, and whispered, Mora. The lock clicked, and the door swung open. They piled through it and shut it quickly, pressing their ears against it, listening. "'Which way did they go, Peeves?' Folks were saying. "'Quick, tell me!' "'Say, please!' Don't mess with me, Peeves. Where now where did they go? shan't say nothing. shan't say nothing if you don't say please. said said Peeves in his annoying singing All right. Please. Nothing. Ha ha ha. ha, ha. Told you I would I wouldn't say nothing if you don't if you didn't say please. Ha ha. Ha. They heard the sound of Peeves swooshing away and filch, cursing, and rage. Peeves whooshing away. He thinks thinks this door is locked, Harry whispered. I think we'll be okay. Get off, Neville. For Neville had been tugging the sleeve of Harry's bathrobe for the last minute. What? Harry turned around and saw quite clearly what. And saw... Quite clearly, what? For a moment, he'd be sure they walked into a nightmare. This was too much, on top of everything that had happened so far. They weren't in a room, as he had supposed. They were in a corridor, the forbidden corridor, on the third floor. And now, they knew why it was forbidden. They were looking straight into the eyes of a monstrous dog. A dog filled the whole space between the ceiling and the floor. It, it had three heads. Three pairs of rolling, mad eyes. Three noses twitching and quivering in their direction. Three drilling mouths. Saliva hanging in slippery ropes from the yellowish fangs. It was standing quite still, all six eyes staring at them. And Harry knew that the only reason they weren't already dead was because the sudden appearance had taken it had taken it by surprise. But it was quickly getting over that. There's no mistaking those thunderous what those thunderous growls meant. Harry gripped it for the doorknob between Filch and Death. He'd take Filch. They fell backwards. Harry slammed the door shut and they ran. They almost flew back back down the corridor. Filch must have hurried off look for them somewhere else "'because they didn't see them anywhere. "'But they hardly cared. "'All they wanted to do was put as much space as possible "'between them and that monster. "'They didn't stop running until they reached the portrait "'of the fat lady on the seventh floor. "'Where on earth have you all been?' she asked, "'looking at their bathrobes hanging off their shoulders "'and their flushed, sweaty faces. "'Never mind that pig snout, pig snout, pig snout, pig snout!' Panted Harry. And the portrait swung forward. They scrambled in the common room and collapsed, trembling into armchairs. It was a while before any of them said anything. Neville, indeed, looked as though he'd never speak again. What do you... What do they think they're doing, keeping that thing locked up in a school? Said Ron finally. If any dog needs exercise, that one does. Hermione had got both her breath and her bad temper back again. You don't, you, you don't use your eyes, any of you, do you? She snapped. Didn't you see what it was standing on? The floor, Harry suggested. I wasn't looking at its feet. I was too busy with its heads. No, not the floor. It was standing on a trap door. It's obviously guarding something. She stood up, glaring at them. I hope you're pleased with yourselves. We could have all been killed, or worse, expelled. Now, if you don't mind, I'm going to bed. Ron stared after her, his mouth open. No, we don't mind," he said. "You think we dragged her along? Would- You'd think we dragged her along, wouldn't you? But Hermione had given Harry something else to think about, as he climbed up back to bed. The dog was guarding something. What had Hagrid said? Gringotts was the safest place in the world for anything you want to want to hide, except perhaps Hogwarts. It looked as though Harry had found where, where the grubby little package from the vault 713 was. This has been the ninth episode of a Very Hairy podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Bye bye.